I just want to say thank you to Paul and to the eldership team for the opportunity to share this morning. I never take the opportunity to share lightly. And, um, you know, we recognize that, that God is building his church and that he likes to use all kinds of gifts to build his church. So as Paul said, thank you for receiving the Lord today and not just me, because we're going to look into the word together and what the Lord wants to say. So I just want to, I'm not going to ask you to turn to the scripture, but I know a lot of you know the scripture, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. And to me, that's one of my favorite references about the word, because I believe that the word is so much more than just words on a page. The word of God actually is alive. The word is Jesus himself. And so when we look at the word of God, we're getting to know Jesus and it's doing something active in our lives. It has power in it to change us if we receive it as the words of Jesus and if we partner with the Holy Spirit to allow it to work in us. So as we look at this this morning, I want us to come to it with that approach, that what we're going to look at today has the power to change me has the power to change us and to build something in us that wasn't there before today. Can we, can we look at it that way together? So this morning, I'm excited to speak about a passage that has greatly impacted my life, probably so far more than any one passage of scripture, and we're going to look at Isaiah 54. So if you do have a Bible or a tablet, we're going to look at that and we're going to kind of camp out here. Um, so I am going to reference other scriptures, but don't worry about turning back, up, back and forth. You can take note of the scriptures if you want to. But we're going to camp out in Isaiah 54, and there's this awesome picture that is painted for us here that we're going to look at. I'm going to read it. Go ahead, 54, 1 through 3. It says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare... Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Anytime that we see the word nations in Scripture, just like we see there in verse 3, you can just kind of substitute that word for people. Anytime nations is referenced, God is talking about people. He's not necessarily talking about geographical lines or physical land. He's talking about people, because what makes up the nations is people. So when God says, your descendants will inherit the nations, he's talking about people that he wants to add to our lives. That's the picture being painted here. And then, John, go to the next slide, please. In the nation of Israel, the people, the Hebrew people, they were Bedouins. They were nomads, and they lived in the desert, and they would move from place to place, and they would live in tents. And so this passage that we've just read, this picture of Isaiah 54, the, uh, the writer is referencing the way that they lived. This picture made sense to them. It wasn't just an abstract picture for them. It made a whole lot of sense. And when, when these people would take more people in to their lives, when they would have more children or they would take in strangers, if they needed to make their space bigger, what they would do is they would sew extra fabric into their tent and they would make the tent physically bigger. And they would put new flaps onto it to make it stretch out and to make it bigger. So this beautiful picture in Isaiah 54, what God is actually saying to us is he's saying, I want you to make your life bigger for the people that I want to add to your life. I want to bring people under the covering of what I've given to you. 
Will you enlarge your life to make space for others? Will you open up your life? And when God first spoke this to me personally, it was in 2008, and I was actually sitting in a conference waiting for it to begin, not even really thinking about anything spiritual. And I really heard just that still small voice in my heart. I heard God say, enlarge your capacity. And I knew that that was based in scripture. I knew that principle was based in scripture. And I began to study it out and found this passage of scripture and began to learn from it. I got a book that was written about it and just began to understand what it really meant. And I didn't know it, but a few months later, God was going to call us to move to South Africa. And so he was beginning to prepare me by his word for literally making my life bigger to contain more than I had contained at that moment. So he began this preparation process in me. And in 2008, we, it's a long story, but I'll just give you the highlights. In 2008, we sold everything. We were living in Georgia. We literally sold everything. We couldn't sell our house. It wouldn't sell, so we just put it up for rent. But all of our belongings we sold. We sold our cars, and we moved to South Africa with six suitcases. Our two boys, four years old and one years old, and we moved literally with six suitcases. And everything else that we still owned was in a few boxes in our parents' Uh, in Paul's parents' um, basement. So we moved there, and we were there for eight years. We were first working with a humanitarian agency for three years, and then we led a church in Johannesburg for five years. And all of that was about people. It was about the people that God wanted to add to our relationships and to our lives to grow us. It was about the people God wanted us to reach there. It was about connecting people. And then, unbeknownst to us, God had a plan to move us back to Detroit, which we were not expecting. We would have been happy to live in South Africa for the rest of our lives because we loved it and we were settled and we had put roots down because we believe in putting roots down wherever God sends you. How else are you going to be effective and grow? So we had settled there, and God called us back to the USA, and he told us to come to Detroit. And that's a long story, too. But we did come back. I think we had 11 suitcases when we came back. And our boys were bigger. But we sold everything again. And we sold our car. And we got rid of our house. And we sold all of our belongings and our furniture. And we started over again. And we came back to the US. And that was about people, too. That was about the people of Detroit and the people that God wants to connect us to here, the people he wants to bless our lives with, and the people that he wants our lives to bless. So I think when, if we're really honest with ourselves, when, when we look at the way we live our day-to-day -day lives, like what I just told you were a few highlights of, of the up, you know, the hilltops of our lives. But, it, but I could tell you about a lot of valley moments, too, where maybe I wasn't really living for the bigger picture that God had for me. I was very concerned and burdened and worried with the details of my life and pulled down by those things and very focused on myself because of fear or because of unbelief or doubt. And I think if we really take an honest look at a lot of the moments in our lives and a lot of the way we live our daily lives, we tend to be very focused on ourselves, right? As people, we tend to be very aware of the situations in our lives, our concerns, our worries, our fears. We're very aware of our feelings, like how we feel about the things in our lives. Like we, We're very aware of all that. And I think the key to growing our capacity, to becoming larger, is to allow us, by, by looking at Jesus, by making him our focus, he makes us bigger, and he allows, when we allow him, he will take our focus and spread it to others. So growing our capacity happens as we look at Jesus, we become more aware of him than ourselves, 
and that causes us to become more aware of others because people are on the heart of God. So when we're focused on Jesus, we pick up his heart, and he grows our capacity to where we're not only aware of the things in our lives, but we're also aware of others. So I love how practical this passage of Isaiah 54 is. John David, you can go back to that passage, please, Isaiah 54. I love how practical it is, how it gives us specific ways um, that we can begin to grow our capacity. So we're going to look at these three verses, one, two, and three. We're going to pull it apart. And in verse one, God starts by addressing our barrenness. He says, sing, O barren. So he's speaking to the nation of Israel, but he's likening her to a woman that can't have children. And he addresses the barrenness so that he can then speak fruitfulness over her. And that's what capacity is for. I think our culture wants to say, grow your capacity, be a big capacity person so that you can be busy, so that you can do more, so that you can work hard. But in, in the spirit realm and in God's kind of capacity is for fruitfulness. God's not asking you just to be busy, busy, busy. He is saying, grow your capacity so you can be fruitful. And God loves to bring fruitfulness from barren places. There are so many examples in scripture where God brought physical fruitfulness from barren places. Listen to this list of names from Scripture. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, all of those heroes of the faith were born to barren women. Is that not amazing? What a picture. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, all of them were born to barren women. And even Jesus was born to a virgin. Another impossible situation that these nation changers, that these bringers of salvation were born in an impossible situation. And God wants to bring his salvation through those kind of impossible situations. I want to encourage us today that wherever we feel barren in our lives, maybe it's not physical barrenness, but wherever we are barren or we feel small or we feel dead, God wants to bring his life there in that place. He wants to bring his salvation into that place and then through your life for others. It could be that your spiritual life feels barren. It could be that your marriage feels barren. It could be that a relationship with your kids is barren. It could be that your work life is not producing. Whatever the area in your life is that feels dead, God wants to bring life. It could be your health that feels hopeless. God wants to bring life to that very place. Don't be limited by the limitations that you feel because our God is not limited by those same limitations. I love the scripture in Isaiah 57, 15. Isaiah 57, 15, it describes God as the one who inhabits eternity. The one who inhabits eternity. That's how big our God is. Eternity is not just the future. Eternity is all of time from beginning to end. And he dwells in that space. That's how big he is. He fills up eternity. So we are his children. And just like Peter and John David look like Paul, we look like our father. We have his DNA on the inside of us. We have the capacity through his DNA to be big. To have a huge capacity for anything that he wants to give us. We are not limited by our own smallness that we feel. We have his DNA, we have his bigness that we can move into by the power of his spirit, by partnering with him. I believe that's what Mary did, the mother of Jesus. 
She did not allow herself to be limited by what she knew or what she understood. I love this account in Luke 1, Luke 1 verse 30. says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and, he sh- and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. Of his kingdom there will be no end. So I know a lot of us have imagined that scenario before. That must have been so frightening. I mean, that's a pretty big vision that the angel came to Mary with. The, the, the description there of, how, of who this is going to be. Not only is she going to give birth to a son as a virgin, but, she, but this angel is describing who Jesus will be. And of his throne there will be no end. That is a huge vision that she was presented with. And then in verse 34, it says that Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then verse 38, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary conceived Jesus when she heard God speak, and she said yes. When she heard God speak and her response was yes, she conceived the impossible. So we don't have to figure out how. We don't have to figure out, God, how are you going to change this barren place in my life? How are you going to move in this impossible situation? How am I going to do what you've called me to do? We don't have to figure that part out. All we have to hear, do is hear the voice of the Lord and say yes. And we conceive. We conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to grow from the inside into what God has for us. We don't have to make it happen by lining everything up on the outside. It happens on the inside of us, and it grows us. When Mary conceived, she literally began to grow, right? Her belly began to grow with the Son of God on the inside of her, with what the angel had spoken. That is exactly what happens to us spiritually. It begins to grow through us when we say yes to God. So I encourage us this morning, be hungry to hear what is God saying to you in this season. And let our response be yes to whatever he is saying to us in this season because it's working in us. It's building on the inside this capacity for what God knows is coming in your life. He's working on the inside as we say yes to him. And then in verse 2, are we, are we still on Isaiah 54? John, can you keep that Isaiah 54 up there, please? I think it goes dark every once in a while. Isaiah 54, verse 2. God says, enlarge or grow your capacity. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. I love to look at the original language just to get further meaning in, in a lot of these passages. And if you look at the Hebrew word for enlarge there, it simply means to make room or open wide. God's saying, make room in your life for what I want to do. And then in English, that word capacity means the potential or the suitability for holding and accommodating. And I, I think that's a question that we should ask ourselves. Am I suitable? Do I have the potential to accommodate what God wants to give me. And if I don't, I don't need to feel bad, but God wants to rearrange some things to prepare me to be able to accommodate and to be suitable for what he has to give me. So it's like we need to become bigger on the inside to contain what he wants to bring, what he wants to add to us. And then I love that it says in verse 2, do not spare. 
I love that because to me that describes the heart of our God. His heart posture is big. It's wide. It's not sparing. It's not just a little bit. And he's asking us to have that kind of heart. Don't spare. Don't be small. Don't say, okay, God, I guess I can open this much of what you're asking. He's saying, throw it wide. Whatever I'm saying to you, let your yes be yes, but let it be a big yes. God, whatever that looks like, I'm not going to limit what that looks like. Do not spare. And then he says, lengthen your cords. What a descriptive picture. And if we consider that tent, John David, will you go back to the picture of the tent, please? If you're going to make this tent bigger, let's say we were going to sew extra flaps into that tent, we would need to make the cords longer, right? All of a sudden, it would need longer cords. And sometimes when God wants to add capacity to our lives, he begins to stretch our cords. He begins to stretch us. And it's uncomfortable. Stretching doesn't always feel great. And it sometimes might even seem unreasonable. I've walked with God enough. We've walked together with God enough to know that often the stretching of God feels unreasonable. It feels like, are you sure about this? This can't be right. This, This doesn't feel normal. So you begin to question whether that's actually God. But the stretching of God will often even feel unreasonable in our lives. I want to give you a couple examples from our lives. When we moved, or when we were preparing to move to South Africa, as I referenced back in 2008, we were living in Georgia, and our kids were small, as I described, and we were on the pastoral team at a church there. And there was confirmation, there was agreement from the church where we were, from that eldership team. There was agreement from, like, all around. It was like God was making it so clear and confirming, and and we just had to give that final yes because we had been given the opportunity to come work for a humanitarian organization. And we knew that it was bigger than that. We felt that God had given us vision to be in South Africa. We knew there were things that would unfold beyond that, but that door had opened, and we sensed that that was the door God was going to use to get us established in South Africa. And we just had to give that final yes and take that final step. And I had wanted to go back to South Africa for years, but all of a sudden, I was the one kind of putting the brakes on, not quite wanting to give that final yes, because I had kind of all of a sudden been gripped by fear about my children. All of a sudden, I began to realize if I move to South Africa with a one-year-old and a four-year-old, that's going to change their lives. It's going to change their destiny. This isn't just me and Paul. It's going to change where they go to school, who they might marry, where they're going to live the rest of their lives potentially. What does this mean for them? I'm moving them to another culture, moving them away from the rest of their family. And I was going to be working with a humanitarian organization, not just Paul, and there was just going to be a lot of changes. And it just kind of was hitting me, the reality of that. And so this one particular Sunday in Georgia, we had a couple come through and minister in our church. And and the the couple uh, ministered the word, and the wife was very prophetic. And she actually called me out from the church, from the group. And she began to prophesy over me. And it was this amazing word that, like, most people would love to get. Like, it was about God's... She knew nothing of our situation. And she said, God's opening a door for you and your family to another nation. His word is going to come from you into that nation. I mean, it was just, like, all these things. But honestly, it felt like... I felt like I couldn't even hear it because my heart was gripped with fear. That's the way I felt. And then at the end of this prophetic word, which we believe God speaks prophetically, by the way, he'll confirm what he's saying to your heart through his prophetic word. 
at the end of her prophetic word, she said, and you know what? Almost like an afterthought. She says, you know what? God says, don't worry about your kids because he's got provision for them that you don't even know about yet. And when she said that, it was just like a key that unlocked my heart. That was like, okay, God, you know what I'm feeling. You know that I don't know about that provision, but you know. And I just need to know that you know that there's provision. It's like he just located right where I was at. And I said to Paul that afternoon, I said, okay, let's do it. Let's say yes. And we did, and we moved. And honestly, we can tell you that our kids were so blessed those eight years. They had the best school, literally, like one of the best schools in the region that they had a scholarship for, which we did not know on the front end. They had the best friends. They had the best sporting opportunities. They had experiences there that anyone would you know, love to have. It grew their lives. It gave them a broader world perspective. I am so thankful that God did not allow my smallness or my fear to keep not only me back, but to keep my children back. And that's the thing. When we struggle to say yes to God, and not only are we missing out, but we're missing out, or the people behind us who need to come behind us. Maybe it's not children. Maybe it's just people who you're connected with that God wants to bring them through too. So when we say yes to God, we're not just saying yes for us. We're saying yes for the people God wants to bring behind us. So I'm so grateful that I allowed God to stretch my cords. And many people would have looked at our situation and said, yes, that is very unreasonable. Do not move to Africa with a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And many people did. (laughs) But God was faithful to his word, and he stretched our cords, and it made us bigger. Another example was that while we were living in South Africa in January of 2015, five years ago, I experienced an armed robbery in our home. I was home alone one day, and It's a long story as well, but two men came in. The the gate had accidentally been left open in our driveway. Two men came in with a gun, and uh, just it all happened very quickly. I was unharmed physically, but in the moment, obviously, I didn't know what was about to happen to me physically, or um, I wondered if my children, who I had just dropped off at school for their first day of the new school year, I wondered if they were gonna receive news that day that their mother had been killed. And even though all those thoughts were going through my mind, there was such a stillness over me, just a quiet, a quiet stillness. And I literally felt as though there was this visor, like a massive visor that was down in front of me. You know, like you put a visor down on a helmet, but it felt like this big shield. And I was so aware of that, even though the very real thoughts were going, I was aware of this visor. And um, anyway, they put me in the bathroom and told me not to leave and eventually I realized they had left and I was able to come out and go to our neighbors and call the police and call Paul. And in the, in the weeks after that, especially that first week, my biggest fear became that I would live in fear for the rest of my life because I had seen what fear had done to other people. And I've never been a small person. I've always been willing to say yes to God and to take risks beyond what my capacity wanted to feel. And I just began to cry out and say, God, I don't want to be small. I don't want to be in fear. I don't want to live in fear for the rest of my life. And about a week and a half or two weeks after this happened, I realized all of a sudden that the robbery had taken place on the sixth anniversary of us moving to South Africa. And I just thought, that's interesting. And often through the years, for whatever reason, God has used dates in our lives to speak to us, to confirm things, to get our attention. It's not any kind of formula or weird thing. 
But often God has just done that with us. He's spoken through dates for us. And I realized that this was the date. And I had also just started reading this new Bible plan to read through the Bible in a year. And I was reading through the book of Genesis because it was the month of January. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to see what, I'm going to look at the date in Genesis. And in South Africa, they write the day and then the month. So we would write 115, they write 15, 1. So that was the way we were writing the date. So I went to Genesis 15 and verse 1 says, do not be afraid. I am your shield. That's what it says. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. And it was like, I felt like God was saying, I knew that was happening to you on that date. And on that date, this is my word to you. And I had felt that shield around me. And it was like that same experience as that prophetic word I received. Like God was like, I knew. I was there. I saw it. And this was my word to you in that moment. This was my provision for you in that moment. And it was literally like it set my heart free instantly from fear. When we receive the word of God to our hearts, it sets our hearts free from fear. It sets our hearts free from those boundaries and those limitations that want to keep us small. So I didn't know at that time that three years later, God was going to call us back to America. I didn't know that he was going to send us to Detroit, which you guys know is still like the number one crime city in the U.S., right? Detroit still has the highest incident of crime anywhere in the U.S. per capita. And again, I'm so grateful to God that he did not allow me to be made small by that situation because I could have said, you know what? The next place we move is going to be safe. We are not living in Johannesburg anymore, and we are definitely not moving to Detroit. I could have said, no, I'm not willing to put myself in a dangerous position again. But God knew to where he kept my heart free, and because I partnered with his word, I was able to say yes to him when the new opportunity arose. So again, I think fears from past experiences or hurts can threaten our ability to to cause our cords to be lengthened. We can't allow fear to keep us from allowing God to stretch our cords. And even the situations that come against us, like that robbery, God will use those very things to, to lengthen our cords. I can honestly tell you that after that experience, after I heard from God on it, I have less fear today than I had before. And that's only because of what God did in my heart. I actually have less fear than before experiencing that. So the very place where you have been challenged, God will use that very thing to to lengthen your cords. He actually gave me more bravery, more courage, less fear through an experience that that was designed by the enemy to give me fear. He'll take that very thing and flip it on its head and do the opposite. And I encourage you, maybe that hasn't happened yet for you. Maybe there's places of fear. Give those places to God. Say, God, that place right there, that place of fear, use it instead to give me the opposite. Work in my heart. Stretch my cords through that situation. And in his hands, it can be actually used to grow your capacity. What the enemy intends for harm, God will use for good in your life. And then the, the next part of verse 2, John David, the, the, the passage again. The next part of verse 2 says, strengthen your stakes. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Go back to the picture of the tent one more time, please. Again, if we're going to make that tent bigger, we're going to need longer cords. But if it's bigger, the stakes in the ground are going to need to be bigger. 
there need to go, they need to go deeper, right? You can't use these little tent pegs anymore. You gotta use big tent pegs to support the increased weight of a bigger tent. So if your life is gonna be made bigger, your cords have gotta be stretched, but you gotta go deeper too. That is something corresponding that has to happen. And every time my life has expanded to include more people, whether that's marriage, having children, leading a church, moving to another nation, moving to another city, any one of those things, God has had to take me deeper into him. There's had to be a corresponding underground strengthening. So how do we do that? How do we strengthen our stakes? I believe there's probably a lot of ways, but I really believe after studying this and walking this for many years, there's two ways that I know that God does that in my life, that he's done over and over and over again. And the first one is found in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17 talks about us being rooted and grounded in the love of God. First and foremost, if our lives are going to become bigger, if our lives are going to grow stronger, we have to be rooted more deeply in the love of God. And you might say, well, that sounds so simple. Yes, the love of God is everything. It grounds us like nothing else, simply knowing that I am loved by God and growing deeper in my love for him brings a stability to my life so that he can grow my life. It says in verse 16 that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, And if love is an issue for you, if love is a a thing that you struggle to receive the love of God or to give the love that you have back to God, camp out on that with him. Let him strengthen that place in your life and take your roots deeper in his love because that will grow your life like nothing else. Don't be surprised if God goes after hurts that he wants to heal in, in your life, stuff that needs to be healed around your identity, maybe insecurities or lies that you've believed. That's not him like just trying to pick at a scab and hurt you. That's his love, healing, wanting to heal you so that he can take you deeper into his love so that you can be more stable, more secure, more firm, so that he can grow your life on top of that, going deeper. Again, you might think that he's just coming after your heart. It's also about the people that are coming after you. He wants your heart to be healed. He wants you to go deeper so that you can have more capacity to bring other people through. And then the second way that I've seen over and over that God will take our our stakes deeper in the ground is actually through local church. And I love this Psalm uh, 92. John David, I've got that there. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. I love this picture. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Well, first of all, what is the house of the Lord? In a big picture sense, it is the family of God. That God himself, he is our home. Relationship with him. We're planted in him. We're planted in Jesus first and foremost. And we're part of the global universal church. That means everyone who's ever believed on Jesus, who's already gone, everyone who isn't even born yet, who will believe in Jesus, we're part of that big family of God that we're planted into. It is also the church that is alive today on the earth, the church in Australia and the church in New Zealand and the church in South America, we are planted into that big picture family of God. 
but it also is the house of God that we're planted into locally. It also is the local church. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, do not, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do not discern and understand, do you not discern and understand that you, and then it says, in the Amplified, it says, the whole church at Corinth are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. So we are planted into local church And that is the family of God, the house of God that this passage in Psalm 92 is speaking of. So there's something I think that's really important here to realize about local church. And very sadly, a lot of people never really get to benefit from. They understand that they're planted in God, and they understand that they're planted in the church globally. But a lot of people don't really get to enjoy the benefit of being planted in local church. We can't separate our love from, of Jesus from his, our love for his bride. Jesus loves his bride. He's passionate about his church. He died so that he could be with us. And if we love him, then we're going to be passionate about what he's passionate about, his bride. We're going to be committed to his bride in the same way. And I've just seen it over and over again that when a person decides to plant themselves in local church, something happens in their life. They begin to grow exponentially. There's something that's released in them that cannot happen if you're on your own. And their capacity grows. So I think often in our, in our culture, we have referred to church as a place we go to. Well, I go to this church. I go to Border City Church. I go to Grace Christian Church. But yeah, or I attend. But really, it's the church is who we are that we're a part of. It's rather, it's something that we're planted into. And that changes everything. It's not just a place I visit on Sundays. It's something that I live my life in the context of, and that changes everything. So real quick, I'm almost done, but I just want to look at a couple of these trees that are mentioned here in Psalm 92. Um, And that helps us to understand how we're planted. First, it mentions the palm tree. So I've got a picture of the the date palm because that's the kind of palm that they would have had in that region when this was written. And the uniqueness of the palm tree, why does the writer specifically say palm and cedar? Well, the palm has extremely deep roots that reaches down into desert soil. They're, They're planted in desert regions and it finds the water. And it's able to flourish even in a desert to grow very tall and to live long. And then the cedars, the next picture, the cedars of Lebanon, the cedar was the most enduring living thing that the ancient Hebrews knew of. If they wanted to think of what is the oldest thing around, it was the cedars. It was the tallest tree in the region. And I love that this passage, Isaiah 92, go back to that John David, it says that they shall bear fruit in old age. So these trees that were so old were still bearing fruit. And God's promises is that you will plant yourself in local church. You will still bear fruit no matter what season of life you're in. That these, these, both of these trees apparently bear fruit in every season as well. Not just in spring or summer, but they bear fruit in every season. And that God promises us that kind of flourishing and fruitfulness when we plant ourselves in local church. So I think sometimes if we identify that there is not a strength in our lives, that there's instability, sometimes local church is the answer. If we recognize that there's not a fruitfulness happening in our lives, being planted in local church sometimes is the answer. Something else about the cedar tree that's so interesting is that the cedars grow in clusters, that they're not often found alone. And it's said that they intertwine their branches with one another as they grow. 
I love that picture of the church, that we become intertwined with one another. They have an affinity for one another. They don't shrink back from one another. They're drawn to one another as they grow. And as the church, we're called to live in deep connection and relationship with one another. If I allow my life to become intertwined with yours and realize that my decisions don't just affect me, they affect you. What I do, where I decide to go, and what I decide to do, and how I decide to conduct my life affects the church. And if we can all live that way, then we become stronger as a church community. Romans 12, verse 4 says, Just as each of us has, is one body, has one body with many members, right? I have one body with lots of parts. These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we form one body, but with many members, with different functions and different parts. But it says in this passage of Scripture, Romans 12, it says each member belongs to one another. That's amazing. We belong to one another, which is so anti-cultural in America, right? We're fiercely independent in our culture, and that's a strength that some cultures don't have, but it can also be a weakness when it comes to spiritual things and to the kingdom of God, that we belong to one another. Now, that's not weird. It doesn't need to get weird, but there's just a sharing of love and responsibility and commitment and depth that the body is called to have to one another. So how do you plant your, your stakes? If you want to go deeper for this bigger tent, how do you plant your stakes deeper in local church? Do it in faith. When we first moved to South Africa, we knew God had more for us than just this humanitarian organization. We didn't know how that would come about. And we believed with all of our hearts that it would come through local church because we believe that's how God works. He works through his church. So it was one of our first priorities to find which local church did God want us in. We had lots of relationships there because my family had done a lot of work in that region through the years. So we visited all these different churches where we knew different people. And we just kept going back to this one particular church. We just kept being drawn. It's like we'd visit somewhere else and we'd go back to this one. We'd visit somewhere else. We'd go back. And we liked it there. It felt good. It felt like there was agreement around the vision. But we just didn't have God speaking. He just wasn't really saying anything. And we, we got on Skype one day with our pastor back in Georgia. They had released us and blessed us. And because they weren't an international network, they felt it was important that we get established with someone there. And we said, you know, we just don't know. It seems like this church is right, but God's not really speaking. What do you think? And he said, if it seems like that's right, if you have peace, if you sense like that is what's lining up, just do it in faith. But do it in faith. Like, don't just, like, kind of make up your mind. Like, make up your mind and do it in faith and plant yourself. So we did. The next Sunday, we showed up. We spoke to the elders there, and we said, we're here. We're planting ourselves. We believe this is where God's establishing us. And I want to tell you from that moment on, it was like, you know, like when you're watching a play and the screen, the, the, what do you call it, the screen, the curtain draws back and all of a sudden you see the scene. Once we did it in faith, we begin to see the reasons why God planted us there. We didn't know that that church was the original church 30 years before of this pioneering network of planting churches around the world. We didn't even know all of that. We began to understand that this particular church had planted multiple churches around the world. We didn't understand that that leadership team's specialty was raising up people to plant churches. We didn't know all those things. And God began to work so broadly in us. It's like everything he had done back in Georgia went very deep, and he began to broaden our capacity, just like he had said to us that he would, in larger capacity. So we spent three years with that local church. We submitted to that uh, eldership team. 
They begin to throw us into the deep end and use us to do all kinds of things that we hadn't done before. And then three years later, there was a church down the road whose pastor felt that his time, he was going to move into other things God was asking him to do. And through their connection with that church, the local eldership team where we were began to pray. They had asked them to pray. And they all came to us unanimously and said, we feel Paul and Mender are supposed to take this church. That We had no idea that what God had for us would open through the local church. And I think a lot of times we think, okay, I, I believe God's called me to plant a church or lead a church. I better make that happen. No, the way that happened for us was that we planted ourselves in local church. And God grew that up from there. He had a plan that we never could have conceived. We couldn't have made that happen. But it happens, whatever God has for you might be a different thing. It happens a lot of times as we plant ourselves where he has us. Not even like, if it's not even like leading a church or birthing a ministry, your, your vocation, the, the things that God has for you in the workplace, in your life, a lot of times those will even grow up through local church yeah. in ways that you wouldn't even believe. I could tell you stories of others who've experienced that. So bloom where you're planted. You know that saying? If you want to find out what's in a seed, you plant it. And a, plant, a seed gets planted in a dark place where it's not seen. It gets covered up, and you don't even know it's there. But what, what is in it begins to come up. And the local church is the soil where we plant our lives so that what is in us pushes through and begins to grow into what God has for us. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray. In just a moment. And I believe what God wants us to pray about this morning is to identify any places of barrenness or smallness on the inside of us that any one of us may feel. Any place that there's fears that is that are holding us back from that stretching of our cords. Any past hurts or disappointments that have caused us to put up barriers or walls that are keeping us from fully engaging our hearts with God or even with local church that we're putting up walls to not plant ourselves. We're resisting how God wants to plant us. But before we pray, John David, please just put up Isaiah 54 again, that very first scripture. I just want to look at verse 3 as we close. Isaiah 54, this picture of the tent, what it ends with is it says that you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. When we had been leading that church in Johannesburg. We had just started leading there. And within a few weeks, I began to have all these voices in my head. Here I was in South Africa. We were leading a local church. And all these voices began to say, what do you think you're doing here? You don't have any right to be here. What do you know? You're not even South African. You need to go back to America. That's where you belong. All these voices that were tormenting me tormenting me, like I needed to get a grip, or I knew I was not going to be of any good. And I just went, I remember I literally got in my closet, and I got on my knees, and I said, Jesus, you've got to help me get a grip on my mind here. Like I was being tormented, feeling completely out of my depth. And the the Lord reminded me of the scripture, Psalm 2, verse 8, where the Father is speaking to Jesus in Psalm 2, verse 8, and he says, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. And Jesus said to me in that moment, how do you think that I receive my inheritance today? And I had to think about that. How does Jesus receive his inheritance today in 2020? 
If his, if his inheritance is the nations, which is people, how does he receive that? He receives that by you and me being willing to let people come under the covering of our lives. People are our inheritance, but they're his inheritance. We receive them on his behalf. So we, guys, we need to let God make us bigger to receive people on his behalf, to receive the, the harvest, the inheritance that Jesus wants to draw to himself. So that's what this picture is about. So.